0: So welcome back to our next session in the continuing of sharing with you on the message of the journey of the bride. And so we are looking at the scriptures. We started in Genesis 1-1 with Rashi. We looked at Adam and Eve in the garden, the calling of Abraham, that this is all teaching us about Messiah and his bride the calling out of his bride um, the relationship that he has with his bride and dealing with her unfaithfulness after she makes an initial commitment that he loves her so much that he wants to see the relationship restored and reconciled And he wants to bestow upon her his very best love and his very best gifts. And so now we're seeing that when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, it was by the blood of the lamb and putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. Yeshua is the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And... The Passover and putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, there was a threshold covenant that was made to release the people from being under Pharaoh's authority. wherein they were called to come to Mount Sinai and to serve the one that brought them out, Yeshua the Messiah, because he created the heaven and the earth. He made covenant with Abraham. He brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was the angel of the Lord in Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, that appeared to Moses at Mount Sinai. And now Yeshua, as we are seeing, he's going to enter into a marriage with his bride, the house of Jacob at Mount Sinai. So that which Abraham is walking out in his life individually is prophetic in the calling of his people at large, the house of Jacob, and the calling that's going to be upon the house of Jacob. So if there was a marriage that took place at Mount Sinai, there needed to be a marriage proposal. And the marriage proposal was found in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, that means following the Torah, So his offer to his bride, Yeshua's offer to his bride, which he redeemed out of Egypt, is, Are you willing to follow me and make a commitment to me and to follow my Torah? That's his question. That is his offer. And so in Exodus chapter 19, verse 8, the reply of the people that he brought out of Egypt was, We will do. And the people answered together and said, All that Yahweh has spoken, we will do. So she accepted the marriage proposal offer. So in acceptance of the offer, there's going to be a marriage ceremony. And so the item that's going to express the terms and the conditions of the marriage it's called in Hebrew, ketubah And this is the marriage contract that defines the terms and the conditions of the marriage. So the bride is going to make a commitment to her bridegroom, Yeshua, to obey His voice, to keep His covenant and to follow and do his will. Psalm chapter 40 verse 8 says. I delight to do your will. Oh my God. Yes. Your Torah is within my heart. So his will for his bride. Is that his Torah is written upon her heart. And she will love him and love his Torah. And follow him and follow his Torah. So this will of God is to be done on earth even as it's done in heaven. So in heaven, what do people follow? The Torah. And in heaven, the Torah is written upon everyone's heart. And so Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. After this manner, pray, O Father, our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. So when is the kingdom of God established? When His will is done. So every time the will of God operates, His kingdom is operating. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we have the fulfillment of the prayer... When His will is done on earth as it is in heaven, there's no difference between heaven and earth because His will is being done in both places. And so you might think of the earth as the physical and heaven as the spiritual. So there's going to be a merger of the spirit and the physical. And so that's why in the end in Revelation in chapter 21, we see the new heaven, the new earth. New heaven, new earth. It's one. So, what was the purpose of creation? That the Messiah would have a bride. What was the purpose of creation? The God of Israel wanted to have a house for His Son. And the way that He was going to do that is through covenant, with or for the sake of the beginning. And the beginning is Israel, Torah, and the Messiah. And so, if that's the purpose of creation, we actually see that happening at Mount Sinai. So, in one regard, the purpose of creation was not fulfilled until we had Mount Sinai. Now, I'm going to give you Hebrew thought. So, Mount Sinai completes the purpose of creation, but only in part. See, the purpose of creation is Messiah dwelling with his bride. Mount Sinai was only a betrothal. So, he's not going to be dwelling with his bride until he comes and sets up his kingdom. And rules and reigns from Jerusalem. So it's not until we get to the Messianic kingdom do we have the fulfillment of the purpose of Messiah. But He's only going to dwell with His bride on the earth during the kingdom for a thousand years. But really the purpose of creation is Messiah to have a bride forever. So, we won't have the purpose of creation until Messiah has a bride that he's dwelling with forever in the new heavens and the new earth, and she's dwelling with him in the new Jerusalem. Now we have the fulfillment of the purpose of creation. Yeah. So, one element of the purpose of creation is that Israel, his bride, would receive the Torah in the form of a relationship with the Almighty, with the relationship with Yeshua the Messiah in the form of a marriage. And so what we've covered is the Torah pre existed before the creation of the world because wisdom pre- preceded the creation of the world and the Torah is wisdom and Yeshua is wisdom and Yeshua is the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord is the Torah. And so Yeshua and His Torah existed before the creation of the world. So He created the world so that His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so His will then becomes done when He enters into covenant with His covenant people at Mount Sinai. So the Torah is manifested and in in following the Torah is done in the earth with His covenant people. So now because the bride of Messiah who he brings out of Egypt is being offered the Torah in a marriage relationship, that Torah which she's receiving becomes her inheritance. The Torah is the inheritance of the bride. Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 4. Moses commanded us a Torah even the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. The Torah is the inheritance of the bride, of the congregation of Jacob. Now, the bride has to live somewhere. Her home is the land of Israel. So the land of Israel becomes the inheritance of the bride, and this is where she's going to dwell. Deuteronomy chapter 31 Verse 7. Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with his people unto the land which Yahweh has sworn to your fathers and to cause them to inherit it. The land to inherit. So the land is the inheritance. I was bride that he brought out of Egypt. And so now... We have the acceptance of the marriage, the offer that was made at Mount Sinai. If you obey my voice and keep my covenant, so so now Moses is going to be an escort of the bride to enter into an exchange of vows with the one that brought her out of Egypt, which is Yeshua the Messiah. So, in an ancient biblical marriage. You're going to have two witnesses that's going to witness the marriage to make it legal. You need two witnesses to establish a matter. The matter is a marriage. You need two witnesses. Now, the name of those two witnesses are Moses and Elijah. They're going to be witnesses of this relationship, witnesses of this marriage so it says in Exodus chapter 19 verse 17 Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God so what's he doing he's escorting the bride to the mountain and it says and they stood at the nether part of the mount the word nether is the hebrew word takti it's the strong's number 8482 and takti means the lower or the lower part and so he brought the Moses brought the people to the lower part of Mount Sinai, or to the base of the mountain. Well, the one that's entered into marriage with them is on the mountain. And the the mountain is covered with his presence. And so the imagery is that Mount Sinai had become a chupa, a wedding canopy, and the people are being brought to stand underneath the chupa. Or at the base of the mountain, and underneath the hoopa is where the vows are going to be exchanged. Now, Yeshua wants his bride to be tamim, to be to be without spot, to be without blemish. He wants her to be holy and sanctified. He wants her to be separate from Babylon and Egypt. He wants her to not follow after the world, the world's ways, and the world's system. And so he's calling her to be set apart or to be sanctified. Exodus chapter 19, verse 10. Yahweh said to Moses, go to the people and sanctify them and let them wash their clothes. Now the spiritual meaning of washing your clothes is how you live your life. Sanctify them and let them live their life in a clean way. He who who will send into the hill of the Lord, he that has clean hands... In a pure heart, wash your clothes. John seventeen seventeen, Yeshua said, "Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth." Psalm one nineteen verse one forty two, "Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your Torah is the truth." Sanctify them how? Through your truth. What's that? Your Torah. So His bride is sanctified or set apart. When she separates herself from the world, the world system, the world's values, and obeys the commandments of her bridegroom, and because the ways of her bridegroom is truth, the ways of the world is false. We can see that it's the will of Yeshua for his bride to be sanctified. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verses 3 and 4 and verse 7. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. So where do we see that the will of God is your sanctification? In the Torah, at Mount Sinai. That you should abstain from fornication. That's the ways of the world. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. That's washing your clothes. That's how you live your life. For God has not called us unto uncleanness, the world, Egypt, Babylon. We were called out of uncleanness, the world, Egypt, Babylon. But unto holiness, unto sanctification. And so the people were instructed to be sanctified and to wash their clothes. I'm going to show you where washing your clothes means how you live your life. Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come. His wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Well, the fine linen is how she's dressed. How she's How is she dressed? Clean and white. Clean. She's not spotted with the world, the world system. She's white. She's pure. And the fine linen is her righteousness. And If you do a study on this word, which I've already done, um, it's really how you live your life and that you do what is right and abhor that which is wrong. And you help those who are in need. You serve others. You give to others. That's That's her fine linen. So she's washed her clothes. And when you wash your clothes, they're clean. They're white. They're righteous. They're not unclean. So the bride of Yeshua is not to commit adultery against him. What's adultery? That's falling after the world in Egypt, in Babylon, in the ways of the world. Deuteronomy twenty-eight, fourteen: You shall not go aside from any of the words which I command you to day, to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. Now what we see what happened to the bride from agreeing at Mount Sinai to the marriage offer is a parallel of what we saw in the garden. So Adam and Eve get married and then there's the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's unfaithfulness after the marriage. So now we have a marriage The vows are exchanged. So the children of Israel worship the golden calf. Exodus 32 verse 7. The Lord says to Moses, Go get you down, for your people which you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They've made themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it. And so with the worship of the golden calf, the marriage covenant is broken. The marriage covenant now is broken. In Exodus 32 verse 19. It came to pass as soon as he came near the camp. That he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of his hands. And broke them beneath the mount. So where were the ten commandments written upon? Tables of stone. Well, that's a prophecy that the Torah would be received by the bride with a stony heart. In the parable of the sower, uh, Yeshua taught the sower sows the word. These are they that are sown on stony ground or a stony heart. They receive the word with gladness. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, they become offended. That's a stony heart. So the children of Israel... They received the word with gladness. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. The horse and his rider, he's thrown into the sea. He's received the word with gladness. Now when they're tested and tried in the wilderness, they became offended. And they wanted to go back to Egypt. And so the bride of Yeshua worships Baal and Ishtar. And before we look at that, I want you to look at in Exodus chapter 32 in the worship of the golden calf Aaron said tomorrow is a feast to Yahweh Aaron said tomorrow is a feast to Yahweh and they rose up and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings so they're worshiping the golden calf but in the worship of the golden calf they're saying this is a feast to to Yahweh, and they're offering burnt offerings and peace offerings. Well, um, Yahweh commanded that we have feasts before Him. They're the annual festivals. They're the weekly Sabbath, and it's part of the Levitical system to offer burnt offerings and peace offerings, which spiritually, burnt offerings is we giving our lives. And so this is what we're called to do. And so since the text says this is a feast to Yahweh, but they were worshiping the calf. Do you know in essence what they did? They said that the calf was Yahweh. In other words, what they did, they put Yahweh into their image. And they made an idol out of Yahweh. And the image that they wanted him to be to them. That was what he got upset about. And so this is how the bride of Messiah commits adultery today. Today is because he wants her to obey him according to the commandments that he gave her. But, she wants to believe and worship Him, but do it in her own understanding, not according to how He instructed her to do it. And so, speaking of corporate, traditional Christianity in our world today, particularly um, in the Western world, what type of Yeshua do people want to worship? They get all excited about They get all excited about a Yeshua that saves them from their sins. And they like the idea it's free and I get to go to heaven. But they also are of the mindset of don't ask me to do too much. (laughs) You know, um, he loves me. And grace, 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 grace. And oh, you want me to do something. No, I can't do anything. That's too hard. You're asking me to do something. I mean... You want me to show you, you love that I love you by like doing something. Oh, that's too hard. If I do something, that's bondage. You know, that's gonna interrupt my life and what I want to do. And so um, I can't do that. And so they want Yeshua on their terms. And so um, one of the previous times I was to this country, I had an opportunity in London. Uh, to speak at a monthly meeting of pastors from different denominations, and you know what my message was—I got 45 minutes to an hour to share. And you know, I'm showing you my style. I just take the scriptures and show you what the scriptures say. And so that's what I did with the pastors, with the pastors, and using the scriptures. This is all that I did. I was sharing with them who Yeshua is with pastors who Yeshua
1: is.
0: (laughs) And so I first said, well, He created the heavens and the earth. He made covenant with Abraham. He brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was the hand that defeated Pharaoh and and caused Pharaoh's army to drown in the Red Sea. He was the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night that led the children of Israel in the wilderness. He's the glory of the Lord. And then I said, oh, by the way, he gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. And, 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 and there was a division when I got done amongst the pastors because they loved the idea that he's the Savior, but he didn't like the idea that he was the lawgiver. Wow. So they wanted to marry the Savior, and they wanted to, to divorce the lawgiver. Do you think you are going to get away with telling Yeshua, I want to marry you and divorce you, and then he wants to spend eternity with you? You can't marry the savior and divorce the lawgiver. Cuz if you want to divorce the lawgiver, you know what he'll say? Because when you receive him as savior, you're betrothed. Now he wants to know whether you'll serve him. And when you say and when he says, "Will you follow my Torah?" and you say no, now he's found you unfaithful and you're in violation of the agreement that you made because you made a blood covenant agreement. And the blood covenant agreement you made was, I will give you my sins, but um, I'm going to give you my life. Now all of a sudden he tells you what it looks like to give you his life, and you say, "Well, no, I'm going to live my life my way." Guess what? He ain't going to want to um, dwell with you in the second stage of the marriage. He's going to reject you. That's why he says, "I never knew you." What he didn't know is he didn't—he doesn't know you to dwell with you. Not that—not that there wasn't a relationship. Um, that was established. So in essence, when we have the attitude that we love the Savior, but we don't like the lawgiver, um, we're worshiping the golden calf. And so the lesson of the Torah is when you worship the golden calf, you're not going to seize glory. And you're not going to go into the promised land. You're going to die in the wilderness. So the Torah is instruction to the bride regarding what she should do, what she should not do um and how her characteristics are and if she makes a mistake how she's supposed to respond to her mistakes that even if she makes respect makes mistakes he still loves her so much that he'll receive her back but she's got to admit her mistakes and so the children of Israel go into the land of Canaan the land of Israel in judges chapter 2 verse 11 It says, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served Baalim. Verse 13, they forsook the Lord and served Baalim and Ashtoreth. I did a study one time about what the children of Israel did when they served Baal. I don't know if I have it here or not. But um, what they did when they worshipped Baal, I had the impression before I studied it out, that this was a separate religion, and a separate worship system um, that was opposite from the God of Israel in His ways. In other words, they were operating under a different religion. Well, Baal worship is actually the mixture mm-hmm. of worship of the God of Israel and the worship of Baal. Mm-hmm. And now if you really study out what Baal worship is and bring it to its simplified form, Baal worship is I want to do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. It's I sitting on the throne and pleasing the flesh. That's Baal worship. Mm -hmm. And so she served Baal and Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth is the goddess of sex and fertility or it was a representation of sexual immorality. And so who or what wants to be sexually immoral? the flesh, in order to please Baal, the I, the flesh, the flesh wants to have um, pleasure that's unbounded, sexual immorality. And so in our world, we're being told, um, we sh- our society should tolerate and accept sexual immorality with no bounds. Don't judge it either. Because if you judge, you don't love. And um, you're bigoted. And you're not about fairness for everybody. Judges chapter 2, verse 14. And the angel of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of, of spoilers that spoiled them. He sold them. Now look. Remember, redemption is a prop is a purchase? And so His bride was purchased by blood. You've been purchased by the blood of Yeshua. Therefore glorify God in your body. Guess what? If you've been purchased, you know what you are? You're a piece of property. So if you're a piece of property, if you were bought, you can also be sold. And so when you're betrothed to the God of Israel, when you're betrothed to the Messiah, and then you're unfaithful, and He doesn't want to dwell with you in the second stage of the marriage then he could sell you he could say I never knew you and so the children of Israel when they went in the promised land they broke the covenant so they were sold into the nations and so guess what if they could be sold into the nations they could be bought back from the nations as well and that's what the end of the exile is. It's a purchase back from selling for being disobedient and a restoration of the relationship. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 1. Thus says Yahweh Will where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Um He sells his people to creditors. (laughs) That means he's going to call in the debt at a particular time. Behold, for your iniquities have you sold yourselves, and for your transgressions is your mother put away. And so, the bride of Messiah is sold in the nations Worshipping Baal and Ashtoreth and going after other gods. Deuteronomy 32, verse 26. I said, I would scatter them into the corners. I would make the remembrance of them to cease from among men. Verse 30. Except their rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up. So who's selling them? Their rock. Well, who's the rock? It's Yeshua. He's the rock. He's the rock of our salvation. So the rock sold them. Yeshua sold them. So selling is separation. Selling is exile. Leviticus 26 verse 14. If you will not hearken unto me and will not do all these commandments, I will scatter you among the nations. Exile is also a form of divorce. But then it says in Isaiah 52 verse 3, For thus says Yahweh, you have sold yourself for nothing. I mean, what are you getting for what you're doing? It's making you worse off. You're selling yourself for nothing. And you will be redeemed without money. You'll be bought back without money. So how are are they bought back after they're sold in the nations? It says in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 11, By the blood of the covenant I have sent forth your prisoners out of the pit wherein there is no water. By the blood of the covenant I've sent forth your prisoners and I've bent Judah for me and filled the bow with Ephraim. And so the prisoners are Judah and Ephraim. The prisoners are Judah, the southern kingdom, the house of Judah. The prisoners are not only the southern kingdom, the house of Judah, but the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, the house of Joseph or Ephraim. And they are in prison. Where? In the nations of the world. Because when they went into the nations of the world, their enemies took them captive. They're prisoners. But how are they going to be released from the prison? By the blood of the covenant. So notice the prison is the exile. But Christianity tries to tell you that prison or bondage is following the Torah. No, it's not following the Torah that caused the exile, that caused the bondage. Not following the Torah is bondage. Following the Torah is freedom. So, by the blood of the covenant are you redeemed. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14 says of Yeshua, Yeshua, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And so, the bride of Messiah has a heart problem. We saw this heart problem in the Torah. That after she accepted the terms and the conditions of the marriage, went after the golden calf, which I just presented to you is mixed worship of the God of Israel, putting the God of Israel in your image and worshiping him in the image by which you want him to be for you. Um, and uh, also, when they was in the wilderness, they didn't trust in the one that brought them out of Egypt. And so... And, Psalm 95, verse 10, it says, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation and said, the people err in their heart. They've not known my ways. They err in their heart, number one. And secondly, in erring, they don't know his ways. So not knowing his ways is an element that contributes to erring in your heart But erring in your heart comes about when you don't love with all your heart. Because when you don't love with all your heart, you get tough times, you want to run. You want to flee. So they err in their heart. So what does Christianity teach? um, That they say Paul teaches? Um, That don't follow the Torah. The Torah, it is bondage. And so, in essence, you're putting the blame on the Torah. I don't want the Torah because there's something wrong with the Torah. Well, the God of Israel says there's something wrong with the heart, not the Torah. (laughs) They err in their heart. It didn't say say there's something wrong with the Torah. And so, they err in their heart. The problem with their heart is it's stony. So, the Bride of Messiah has a stony heart toward His Torah, toward obedience. Zechariah chapter 7 verses 11 and 12. They refused to hearken. They pulled away the shoulder. They stopped their ears that they would not hear. You know, uh, we hear this testimony all the time. Once you come and you see and understand this is the calling and the way in which you're supposed to walk to express your faith in Yeshua as Messiah, you want to tell your friends, you want to tell your family, and basically their response to you is... I don't want to hear Instead of saying, "What well, do you explain it to me and then I'll evaluate it? That's what an open heart says. Explain it to me and I'll evaluate it. But instead of saying that, he goes, oh, no. I don't believe that way. I don't want to hear And so it says, they made their hearts as adamant stone. Lest they should hear the Torah. They made their hearts as adamant stone. Lest they should hear the Torah. So their hearts were stony toward the Torah. So we know what the problem is. The problem's the heart. It's stony. So we have to solve the problem. In order to solve the problem, we need heart surgery. The bride of Messiah needs a new heart. We need to we need to do surgery on her heart. And so we gotta take away the stony heart. And we're going to replace it with a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36, 26. A new heart will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I'm going to take away where you err in your heart. And I'm going to replace it and give you instead a heart of flesh. And so... In this heart surgery, it comes about through the renewing of the relationships. You see, the relationship was broken. Now we've got to renew the relationship that got broken. And we call the renewing of the relationship the new covenant. But because of what I'm explaining to you, the church doesn't understand, so they don't connect what Yeshua did with the Torah, they don't connect with what He did with who He is in the Torah. They don't connect Yeshua dying on the tree and they don't connect it to Adam and Eve in the garden. And so because they don't, what they say about the new covenant is they put a box. And goes, about new covenant? That This is a new program. This is, this is a plan B because plan A failed. And now plan A got old. It was old. So we're going to throw away plan A, and we're going to stick with plan B. Because they don't understand what I'm explaining to you. And so that's what they're left to do with the text and how they read and understand the text. But look at the New Covenant, which in Hebrew, the word that's translated as new here in the Hebrew, we can read it as renew. And if you understand here what's happening, it's the renewing of what was broken. It's restoration. Jeremiah 31, 33, This shall be the covenant that will make the house of Israel. After those days, says Yahweh, I will put my Torah in their inward parts and I will write my Torah in their hearts. Do you remember back what he promised in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7? The four I wills. The last part is I will marry you to me for a people and I will be your God. So the fourth I will is now being fulfilled through the new covenant. Because he wanted to be their God and they will be his people, which is marriage. And he wants a bride where his Torah is written upon her heart. And so that's the new covenant is the Torah written upon our heart which is the will of God. I delight to do your will. Your Torah is upon my heart. Psalm chapter 40 in verse 8. And so Yeshua found fault with the hearts of his bride who broke the covenant. And wanted to do what she wanted to do, Baal worship, and uh, fulfill the desires of her flesh, Ashtoreth, and wanted to worship him and her image, the golden calf. So he found fault with her heart, and that's why he wanted to do heart surgery. And renew the relationship. Do a reset on the relationship. He didn't find fault with his
1: Torah.
0: His Torah is fine. So in Hebrews 8.8. For finding fault with them. One of the ways this can be interpreted. Is finding fault with the hearts of his people. Finding fault with them. Not it. Not finding fault with the Torah. Finding fault with them. He says behold the days come says the Lord. That I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So then we go on to read in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, which is a quote from Jeremiah 31, verse 33. This is the covenant. I will put my Torah in their mind and write it in their hearts. So what's the difference between the heart of stone and the heart of flesh? Well, the stony heart can't overcome the flesh and the nature of the flesh. But the heart of flesh has the indwelling Holy Spirit and if you will yield to the indwelling Holy Spirit and practice the crucifix crucifying of the flesh with the help of the Holy Spirit, now we follow the Torah with the help of His Spirit and we will have the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what Yahweh delights in, is the fruit of the Spirit. And so in the Torah, the bride of Yeshua is promised a circumcised heart. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. And Yahweh, your Elohim, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your seed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, That you may live. Alright in order to fulfill the greatest commandment. Which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul. You can't do that unless you have a circumcised heart. A circumcised heart. So this is what Paul was referring to. In Romans chapter 2 verse 29. And he's doing a word play on the Hebrew word for Jew. The Hebrew word for Jew is Yahudi. And Yahudi means one who praises God. A Jew means one who praises God. So, for he is a Jew which is one inwardly. He is a praiser of God who praises God by having clean hands and a pure heart. And the circumcision is of the heart. See, I please God. Uh, if I have a circumcised heart, which a circumcised heart is an obedient heart, I please God if I have an obedient heart, and the circumcision of the heart is through the Spirit, the new covenant, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men. You see, in the flesh, in the outward, people seek the praises and honor of people. And so that's not the praiser of God that he's looking for. It's someone that, that wants to um, have the acceptance and the praise of people. He wants to have a people that's wanting to do the will of God and to give glory to the God of Israel. So Philippians 3.3 3, It says, we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit. We worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Messiah Yeshua. And look, have no confidence in the flesh. So a circumcised heart is in contrary to having no confidence in the flesh. Baal worship is the appeasement of the flesh. The golden calf is the appeasement of the flesh. And so... He's not doing away with his Torah. He's doing away with the stony heart. Once again, because traditional Christianity doesn't understand this picture that I'm sharing with you today. They take the circumcised heart and say that with the circumcised heart, I throw away the Torah. Well, if you throw away the Torah, you don't have a circumcised heart. So, this bride is to have a circumcised heart. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. A new heart will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to keep my judgments and do them. You see, Paul understood that this is what the Torah and the prophets say. So, once his eyes was opened that Yeshua is the Messiah... He was trying to follow the Torah through what the rabbis said and how the rabbis interpreted it. And part of the interpretation of the rabbis is Yeshua is not the Messiah. Okay, but then Paul says, I delight in the Torah after the inward man. What's the inward man? The one that has the circumcised heart. So, he's saying he's following the Torah by the Spirit, he's not throwing away the Torah. He's now following the Torah in the proper way. So, what is the Torah of Yeshua? What's the Torah that he wants his bride to follow? Yeshua wants to follow his instructions, the written Torah. And he wants to follow that, he wants us to follow that Torah with the help of his spirit that he's going to give. So it's not even your responsibility and burden to follow His Torah because He's going to give you His Spirit to help you to do it. And that Torah is to be written upon the bride's heart, which is His will. His will is the Torah written upon the bride's heart, and He wants His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants His bride to live her life to do His will live her life to do His will. So the Holy Spirit is the bride's teacher. John, Yeshua said in John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth is come. What's truth? Psalm 119, verse 142, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your Torah is truth. Psalm 119, verse 151. All your commandments are truth. So truth is the Torah. Well, Yeshua said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth. So Yeshua is the truth, and His Torah is the truth. So following Yeshua is following His Torah, and following the Torah is following Yeshua. But you're not to do it in your own wisdom and your own understanding. So now He's going to give you His Spirit, which is the Spirit of truth. And the spirit of truth is going to guide you in all truth. So the spirit of Yeshua is going to point you to Yeshua. So if you're following the spirit, you're going to believe that Yeshua is a Messiah. If you're following the spirit, you're going to believe that Yeshua is a Messiah. And you're going to follow and seek to follow his Torah. So the bride of Yeshua walks in the truth that the spirit of truth teaches the bride of Messiah to walk in. And truth is the Torah. Psalm 19, verse 142, your Torah is truth. Psalm 19, verse 151, all your commandments are truth. So there are those who say that the New Testament teaches you're not supposed to follow the Torah because it's bondage. Now if you understand what truth is, your Torah is truth, all your commandments are truth, John says in 1 John 1, six, if we say that we have fellowship with Him, if we say that we are in marriage relationship with the Messiah, if we say that we follow Him and we walk in darkness, it means don't follow the Torah. We lie and we're not doing the truth. So, walking in darkness is the opposite of the truth, and if the truth is the Torah, walking in darkness is not following the Torah. 3 John 1.4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So, if we know what truth is, it's the Torah. John's saying, it gives me great delight Hmm. to know those that endeavor to believe in Yeshua and to follow His Torah because He's truth. So if you're walking in truth, you believe in Yeshua. If you're walking in truth, you're following His Torah. So the bride of Messiah follows the Torah by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And so we have Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-seven. I will put my Spirit within you. What's the purpose of the indwelling Holy Spirit? To follow the Torah, to walk in my statutes, and to keep my judgments and do them. Paul says in Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation to them that are in Messiah Yeshua who walk not after the flesh, that's Baal, but after the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So because we don't understand the journey of the bride in traditional Christianity, when they're looking at Paul in Galatians, they say walking in the spirit is contrary to and the opposite of following the Torah. Mm -hmm. They say you choose following the spirit or you choose following the Torah. No, the way I follow the Torah is by the spirit because The spirit of truth will guide you in all truth. So this is the Torah that Paul says and testifies that he follows. Romans 7.22 I delight in the Torah of God after the inward man. The one that has the circumcised heart. So Romans 8.4 the righteousness of the law or the right way to follow the Torah the right way to follow the Torah as the Torah teaches is fulfilled by those who walk not after the flesh the golden calf but walk after the spirit the right way to follow the Torah as the Torah teaches is to follow the Torah with a circumcised heart in the bitamin without spot, without blemish You see how I'm showing you that the requirements that Messiah has of his bride is completely taught and outlined in the Torah. The Torah is the instruction manual for the bride and how she is to walk. Romans chapter 8 verse 9. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, for as many that are led by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, and if you're led by the Spirit, you are the sons of God. Now that, sons of God is a title. Now notice you get the title of sons of God when you're believing Yeshua and you're led by the Spirit. And so, when you haven't, Reached spiritual maturity to mean you're a child of God. When you when you're following him in spiritual maturity which was the calling of Abraham now you're a son of God. You see when a father is pleased with the behavior of his son often the father will say that's my son. He's my son. A son of mine. A son of God. So a son of God means obedient. Romans chapter 7 verse 14. Paul said that the Torah is spiritual. I'm carnal. Sold under sin. See we've been told that Paul taught. That the Torah is bondage. He said that I am carnal. Not the Torah is carnal. I am carnal. Sold under sin. But the Torah is spiritual. So the Torah is spiritual. Then he says in Romans 8, 6, to be spiritually minded. The Torah is spiritual. Then he says to be spiritually minded. That means to follow the Torah. To follow the Torah is life and peace. If you take that back into Hebrew, it's two of the most common words of Hebrew that is used that people know. Life is chai, you know, l'chaim. And peace is shalom. Yes. To be spiritually minded or to follow the Torah is chai and shalom. Well, that's the goal. How do you know that's the goal? Because that's what we toast to, l'chayim. I mean, that's the goal. We're running the goal, l'chayim. That's to be spiritually minded. And shalom. So it's following Yeshua's Torah that sets his bride free. John chapter 8, verse 31, Yeshua said, If you continue in my word, if you continue in my Torah, you will know the Torah. You will know the truth. And the truth, the Torah, will make you free. The truth, Yeshua makes you free. The truth, His Torah, makes you free. Believing in Yeshua and following His Torah by His Spirit makes you free. Otherwise, you're in bondage. To Pharaoh. In the world, the world system, in the world's ways. Into Babylon. So the bride of Messiah confesses that Yeshua is her Savior. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you will confess with your mouth Yahweh Yeshua and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be redeemed, saved, delivered, if you'll confess. For with the heart, man believes. You believe with the heart. You don't believe with the head. You believe with the heart. With the heart, man believes under righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made with salvation. Didn't Yeshua say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? So you are believing your heart. So if you believe in abundance in your heart, then Yeshua... Is Messiah and Yeshua is your Savior, and you need to repent of your sins to accept him as your Savior, and you make a commitment to make him Lord of your life, and you believe that with all your heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, you'll confess it. For with the With the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You've got to believe it and confess it. So then when you do that you've established a relationship with Yeshua, a marriage relationship now he's going to help you. And the Holy Spirit is the agent of the help. So he's going to give gifts to the bride to help her in this walk. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Peter said repent and be immersed, baptized every one of you in the name of Yeshua Messiah for the remission of sins and you will receive the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh and so now we're going to look at the gifts that Yeshua gives his bride in this relationship. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7. But to every one of us is given grace. According to the measure of the gift of Messiah. Ephesians 4 eight, Wherefore he says. When he ascended on high. He led captivity captive. And he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts. So let's look at these gifts. That the bride given. One is the gift of Righteousness. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. If by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace in the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. So this is what is doctrinally called imputed righteousness. Imputed righteousness is imputed. It's a gift. So in repenting of your sins and accepting Yeshua, as your Savior and Lord, then you're making a blood covenant exchange. He gets your sins, you get eternal life, and you get His righteousness. So now you have righteousness that's imputed, now you've got to remain clean. You remain clean in your service to Him and you are unspotted from the world. We have the gift of eternal life. Romans chapter 6 verse 23. For the wages of sin is of death, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord. We have the gift of grace. Romans chapter 5 verse 15, for Through the offense of one, many be dead much more. The grace of God in the gift of grace, which is by one man. Yeshua HaMashiach has abounded unto many. We're given the gift of faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Faith, it is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. Then we're given other spiritual gifts. It's outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it says in verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not that you be ignorant. And so among these spiritual gifts, in verse 8, to one is given the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge. So the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge is a spiritual gift to another faith to another the gifts of healing to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues but all these works that one in the self-same spirit giving to every man severally as he wills. So, these are different gifts which he may bestow unto his bride. And so, ultimately, the goal and the objective is that if we believe in Yeshua and we seek to follow him with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength, seek to do his will, seek to follow his Torah through the help and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It will result in the fruit of the Spirit. You will manifest the result of believing in Yeshua and the Torah written upon your heart and yielding and being led by the Spirit of God. This will be the product. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love. You'll have love. Joy. You'll have joy. Peace. You'll have peace. You'll have long-suffering. Gentleness. Goodness. You'll do good things. Faith. You'll be humble. You'll be meekness. Temperance. And they that are messiahs have crucified the flesh. You see, you can't have these things unless you crucify the flesh. So this is a part of the journey of Yeshua's bride. And this is a part of understanding the relationship that he wants to have With his bride and we are going to take another 15-20 minute break and we will continue on with the study. Can I just pray please? Could I
1: just
0: pray?
1: Um, I just want to thank Father. We're sitting here and listening to this incredible teaching and my heart feels like it wants to burst with joy. We are so So blessed and so privileged and I feel the haim, the life of Yeshua in my heart. And I want to shout with joy for the privilege of hearing this this message of life. And I thank Yahweh from the bottom of my heart for his life, for his truth, for his Torah. And it's wonderful and I'm just so grateful to Father that we are here together and we're sitting here and soaking up this truth and Eddie is an ordinary little man and we are ordinary people but father has privileged us to receive his Torah in our hearts and he's changed our lives and his life from the dead and I thank him and I ask him to spread his word in this country that others might receive the truth of Torah, the truth of the whole of His Word, and might be raised from the dead and brought to life by the truth of His Word. And I thank Him with all my heart in the name of Yeshua. Hallelujah. How
0: about giving Yeshua a praise and a hand clap?